Bibles, go to the book of Job. Job chapter 1. Again, don't want to sound like you got to say it just, just to say it because you need something to say, but uh, truly honored, truly privileged, truly love this place to be a part of it and um, learned so much. Still got a long ways to go and um, thankful for Pastor Schott and the opportunity that we've had here. I don't take it lightly. Um, one moment that we've had here, many of us, uh, we've grown closer to you as more than even friends. We've got family here, and we're thankful for that. Thank you for um, reaching out to us. When we first came here, we didn't know anybody, and it was only a matter of time before we felt like we were home and that we were, uh, felt loved, and we appreciate that. Um, I was just going to say before we get into the message, just to talk with you just for a moment here. Um, a year ago today, my wife went on this crazy diet program, and in eight hours, she lost 40 pounds. Of course, our twins were born one year ago today, um, so that they're one today, so um, some of you are like, what in the world? But, uh, but uh, thankful for our sons, and uh, in one way, the year's gone by so fast, and I'm looking at a twin parent over there, and uh, one way, it seems like it hasn't gone so fast, uh, but so we're thankful for, for that, and Actually, during, I forgot to say something, 8.15, I was actually preaching one year later, at the exact time, 8.30 and 8.33, they were born, and uh, forever, even made us go more crazy. No, we love them, we're thankful for them. But uh, you're there in the book of Job, and uh, Job is the oldest book in the Bible. Actually, many people, and I believe it's true to say that it's the oldest book in the world, uh, Job was written before um, Genesis. Obviously, Job didn't take place before the events in Genesis, but it was written before Genesis. So Job's the oldest book, really, in the world. And uh, I, I believe that we can learn a lot by just looking at the first verse in this book. And we'll look at several other verses. Um, but if you could turn your attention to Job, uh, verse number one in chapter one, it says, there was a man in the land of Oz, whose name was Job. And that man was perfect and upright, and one that feared God and eschewed evil. Look at verse number eight. And the Lord said unto Satan, Hast thou considered my servant Job, that there is none like him in the earth, a perfect and upright man, one that feareth God and escheweth evil? I don't know about you, but I, when I get to my heavenly home, I can't, I hope, I pray that I'll be able to hear the words, well, well done, thy good and faithful servant. But while I'm living, I'd love to just, actually I really don't, but, but to hear what Jesus, the Lord God says about me. He's telling Satan, he says, hey, have you considered my servant Job? He's perfect, he's upright, he fears God and he excuses evil. And I love these type of verses, because right here we can take this verse and we could just preach on this one verse. There's four points here. There's a four-point outline right here in this verse. We're not going to do that. But by way of introduction, if you could just know us back in verse number one, Job, there was a man, he was perfect. That perfect, I believe many of us understand, but for those that, uh, by way of uh, review this morning, doesn't mean he was perfect and he didn't do anything wrong, doesn't do anything wrong. Perfect means that there was a completeness about him. There was a maturity about uh, the servant here, Job. said he was upright. He wasn't compromising on anything. He, he knew where he was going, knew what he was doing, 
and he wasn't going to try to let anything mess him up in his path. He was just an upright man, just a good all-around um, um, perfect and upright man. The next one, we see that he feared God. Uh, this fear is not talking about I'm afraid of God, afraid of what he's going to do to me. Uh, we see that in other places of Scripture by you know, fearing God for what our sin does to him and what he'll, how he'll judge us. But this fear is talking about a holy reverence towards God. He had a holy reverence towards God, and he, he saw God for who he is, and we know who he is, but not only did he see God, but he worshiped him. He lived his life in holy reverence towards God. And also we see here that he skeweth evil, and that was just a fancy way of saying he hated evil. Not just didn't like it, didn't want to be a part of it. No, he despised it. He hated it, wanted no dealings with it, didn't want to even be around something that even part, looked uh, p- the part of evil. Job, as many of us know the story and all the things that take place really in chapter, the first three chapters, is just crazy, uh, the things that happen to him. We're going to touch on, on many of that. But I see through the book of Job that, man, he was, he was a broken man. He, he was broken. He, uh, he went through some despair and some suffering. He went through some spiritual and satanic attack in his life. And we'll look at, we'll touch on some of those points. But look, look at this. In verse number 13, chapter 1 in the book of Job, it says, And there was a day when his sons and his daughters were eating and drinking wine in their eldest brother's house. And there came a messenger unto Job and said, The oxen were plowing. And the asses feeding beside them, and the Sabaeans fell upon them and took them away. Yea, have they slain the servants with the edge of the sword, and I only escaped alone to tell thee. Right there, we could stop and say, oh boy, what a, what a thing that we couldn't even imagine. Maybe, maybe some of us could, but to get this news, I'm sure he was in utter shock. But while that messenger was speaking, verse 16 says, while, yet, while he was yet speaking, there came also another and said, the fire of God has fallen from heaven and hath burned up the sheep and the servants and consumed them, and I only am escaped alone to tell thee. While he was yet speaking, there came also another and said, the Chaldeans made out these bands and fell upon the camels and have carried them away. Yea, I am slain the servants with the edge of the sword, and I only am escaped alone to tell thee. While yet he was yet speaking, there came also another and said, Thy sons and thy daughters were eating and drinking wine in their eldest brother's house. And behold, there came a great wind from the wilderness and smote the four corners of the house, and it fell upon the young men, and they are dead, and I only am escaped alone to tell thee. Crazy what's happening here, what's happening in his life. You'd almost would just think, okay, who's pulling my leg here? Why are, you, why are everybody coming up here at once telling me all this that's happening in my life? And he, he wasn't even there to experience all this, but he's hearing this. And, um, and a lot of times we see, and I'm getting a little ahead of myself, but I'll say it, uh, we think that Job's life was just one bad thing after another, and there was no light at the end of the tunnel. That's not the case. Uh, this, this, these events, and uh, by the time, and I mean, we go, we can go further into when he's struck you know, with boils upon his body, and his wife turns his back on God. But all these events really take place in about, um, of course, those things happen all at once. But to get through that was really about a year, about a year of really some troubled times. And a year—that's still a long, that's still a long time. Okay, um, when we're talking about earthly things, but spiritually speaking, eternally speaking, it's really not a long time. But he was going through some tough times. On this, uh, on this road that he's on. Um, 
And then look at verse number one, chapter two. It says, again, there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan came also among them to present himself before the Lord. And the Lord said unto Satan, from whence comest thou? And Satan answered the Lord and said, from going to and fro in the earth and from walking up and down in it. Right there, there's a testimony right there, an example of that 1 Peter 5, 8, that we see that the, the devil walketh about seeking whom he may devour like a lion, as a lion. He literally is walking across around the earth looking who he can mess up. And he goes, and we look at verse three, it says, and the Lord said unto Satan, hast thou now considered my servant Job, that there is none like him in the earth, a perfect and upright man, one that feareth God and escheweth evil, and still he holdeth fast, fast his integrity, although thou movest me against him to destroy him without cause. Doing right, doing what he's supposed to, and it, the Lord even says here, I've moved against him, without cause. He didn't need to have this stuff happen in his life, but you, you, you asked if we could test him, and I said, okay, I'll allow you to let the, I'll allow these things to happen in his life. And then Satan, verse four, and Satan answered the Lord and said, skin for skin, yea, and all that a man hath will give for his life, but put forth thine hand now and touch his bone and his flesh, and he will curse thee to thy face. And the Lord said unto Satan, behold, he is thine in thine hand, but save his life. Basically, uh, they're talking about Job, and, and they're saying, Satan's basically saying, hey, I can get him. And the Lord says, well, I'll, I'll allow these things to happen in his life. And, uh, and, th- and this is a, a, just a great passage to see that nothing happens outside the Lord's control. The, the, the devil's going to ask permission, let's let these things happen in his life because I want to ta- see how true this guy is. I'm going to take him down. Nothing, can, nothing happens outside of the control of our Heavenly Father. But you see here that it's just, it's like someone's out to get him, Right? We literally see that. And someone's out to get us this morning. And so moving on to here to the message here, I'd like to just point out uh, some things that we need to have. Uh, the road trip, essentials and expectations. And I'll get to number one on our essentials here. But before you even go on a trip, a little while ago, my, my wife and I, we went on a trip. <clears throat> and uh, I, can't tell you, I can't believe how much stuff we have to take now because of the kids. And some of the stuff we probably don't even need, but it's just in case. And the time we don't bring it, we wish we would have brought it, right? So we bring the crib. No, we don't bring all that. But uh, before we had kids, it was awesome. You just just go and do whatever and stop here, go here. And, um, but it's a little bit more difficult now. But when we were on our road trip uh, just a couple weeks ago, before we even went on the trip, there were some things that needed to take place uh, before we went on our trip. And so the first thing, and I Googled this, uh, and so it's true, right, because it's on the Internet. And, but I, I clicked on several different things, but majority of these three things that we're going to talk about were at the top of the list. The first essential that we need to have before we even get on this road trip is car documents. We need our car documents. So those car documents are, right, your proof of insurance, your registration, and a valid driver's license if you're driving, Right. So how, and I, I was telling the 815 crowd, I absolutely respect, love, honor our police officers all the time. I just don't like them when they pull me over. Um, I've been pulled over a couple times in my life. Uh, just about, my wife's going to be mad, but oh well. Uh, four months ago, she got, she got pulled over for running through uh, a red light, but it stopped. It was not really her fault. It went so fast. So she calls me. She says, I got pulled over. I said, Okay. I didn't get a ticket. I was so mad that she did not get a ticket because every time I've been pulled over, 
I've never been let off the hook. I think she's been pulled over in the several years that she's been driving, maybe three or four times. Never even gotten a written warning. And uh, I don't know how much money she gives them or she starts crying, I don't know. But uh, I, I just, I don't get it. And every time I've gotten a ticket, my wife wasn't sitting with me. So there's a lesson there, I guess. But before I got pulled over, I needed to make sure, or before we went on our trip, I had to make sure I have the documents. So registration, proving that I own this vehicle, it's mine. Uh, the, the registration insurance, proving that if something happens, you know, it's, it's, it's going to be taken care of. And then a valid driver's license, who am I, my identity. And I'm getting a little ahead of myself, but I'll just touch on them a little quickly and then we'll come back to them. But the documents, let me ask you this. Who's your car registered? Who's your life registered to? Who do you belong to? It doesn't belong, if you don't belong to your Heavenly Father, who do you belong to? Your insurance, okay? Something's going to happen, you know it's going to be taken care of. What hap- what, do you have your assurance of your salvation this morning? And then your, your driver's license really all summed up into that. Are you a Christian this morning? Can you say, I'm a born-again Christian, and I know who I belong to, and I know where I'm going? Before you even go on the trip, make sure that you get the car documents. Romans 10, 13, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's for anybody. I love putting who I'm talking with about the gospel. I put their name in there. It's for if you call upon the name of the Lord, thou shalt be saved. The next thing that we need to do before we go on our trip, number two, is a car audit. A car audit. And uh, this was at the top of the list for sure, but before you even go on your trip, you got to make sure your tires are good, make sure the brakes are good, make sure the oil's been changed, uh, make sure it's fueled up and all the fluids are topped off to the way they're supposed to. And, and I'll say this, if I'm not a professional when it comes to all those things, I could check some of those things, but I go to a professional place and make sure that it's taken care of and make sure that this, this, this vehicle that I'm going to be going traveling in is going to be it's going to be running the way that it should. Okay, I'm going to go there. Uh, Matthew 22, verse number 37, it says, Jesus said unto them, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. Really, a simple request, simple statement, uh, but we, we fall so short on those all the time. But for our life to be, um, again, have an audit on our own lives, we need to make sure that we're loving the Lord thy God with all that heart, soul, and mind. And if we're doing those things, everything's going to run the way that it's supposed to. doesn't mean that problems still can't happen, okay? But uh, I remember when I first got a vehicle, I really didn't know all the ins and outs of all this stuff, and the light came on, check engine. So I opened up the hood, yep, still there, and closed the hood and said, that's good. Um, no, but that... A lot of times, some things happen in our life. A flag comes up and says, hey, you need to get this taken care of. You're not doing something. And what do you do? You go to the professional. You call someone that knows something more about you. you go to someone and say, hey, there's a problem. i got to get this fixed. We know what we're supposed to do. But before we go on our trip, make sure you got your car documents. Make sure you got your car audit done. And then lastly, another essential that we need is simply something that all of us probably use our cell phone for. You need a map. You need a map. And uh, I think it's funny that uh, still, you know, to see actual physical maps, but then when you go through a place that doesn't have service, uh, you're thankful for that map. But with that map, you know where your destination is. You know where you're going to go, but you got to know each step that you're supposed to take. A lot of times something happens and you can't go the way that you thought you were supposed to, and you got to find a different route. And that map that we have right here is the Word of God. 
And uh, again, nothing new under the sun, you know all this. But a lot of times when we seem to go on a trip, I do this, I'll look at the, uh, I'll look at the steps that I'm supposed to take. Or I'll say, okay, I know I'm supposed to go here, here, and here, I'm good. And I start driving down the road and I miss something. And I get lost and it's like, oh, man, let me, you know what I need to do? I need to just every step of the way, where do I need to go? What do I need to do with this? There's a situation that's happened. How do I deal with this? So before we even get on this road trip that we're going to get on, make sure you got those three essentials, okay? Moving on to the expectations on the road trip. Go to, we, were, we already read some of it, but in Job 2, we're referencing verses 1 through 10, but I want to just bring out verse number uh, 9. It says, Job 2, verse 9, Then said his wife unto him, Dost thou still retain thy integrity, curse God, and die? We know this story. We know this was going to happen. Job didn't know this was going to happen. He's got his best friend alongside of him, someone that's encouraging him to continue. We're going to get this. And basically just says, just curse God and die. It's not even worth it. And I I can't tell you enough how much um, my wife means to me and how she's my biggest cheerleader and she encourages me. But if she was to say that to me, just curse God and die, we're going to number one here. That would be a huge distraction in my life. All of a sudden, I'm, not gonna t- I'm gonna take my eyes off Jesus Christ and say, what in the world's going on here? Let's get this taken care of. And, and uh, you, know, I, you know, a lot of times, you know, it's just a big distraction. I see that this distraction that Job had in his life, that his own wife, his own, um, you know, his best friend that was here on the earth got distracted. And it was just, I'm sure it was a major distraction to him. Some distractions. Let's look at some examples. For sake of time, I won't turn to all these passages Uh, And there's references there for you to go back to. But first example that I want to look at would be Samson. Samson. In Judges 13, we we, we read that uh, there's a a decree that uh, Samson's going to be born and what all needs to take place and what his purpose is going to be and that his his life is laid out to his parents and what's going to happen. And so I see that, and I've shared this before with you, that Samson uh, was was a man of purity. So don't shave his head. Don't shave his head. Now, purity is not the word I think of when I think of Samson. I think a wasted life. I normally think of another name, Delilah. I uh, think of that. But he was a man of purity. There was, supposed to, there was a, a, a purity about him. He was supposed to make sure that he was to stay true to what he was doing. I see that he was also a man of purpose. I see that he was a man of prayer. His mother, going before the Lord God before he was even born, and says, tell me what I'm supposed to do. And, and she's praying out to God and saying, hey, I want to make sure that I'm, I'm doing the steps right, but can you tell me again what I'm supposed to do? He was a man of prayer. We also know that he was a man of power and that every time that he got, you know, was, had an, uh, a time in his life where he could show his strength, it was to give glory to God, but it went to his head. It went to his head. But he got distracted, and here's the, the letter F. If you, it's not up there already, but his distraction was a female. His distraction was a female. Now, for this example, Delilah was the distraction in his life. Everything was going the way it was supposed to. But then he saw somebody he was not supposed to have. And it even says in, in, the, um, in Judges chapter 16, he says, I want her, go and get her. He got to the point where he just thought about it all the time. I want this. I'm got, he made himself sick about it. And that's what we do in our life. When we see things that we're not supposed to have, we start to dwell on it. I think of the, the Bible verse, I think it's 1 John 2, 16, um, the, 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 the lust of the, the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. A lot of times I, I refer to those as the three traps of the devil. What's he going to get us with? Normally it's summed up into one of those categories. And uh, really all those things are connected and intertwined with each other. 
But he got distracted with a female. I see another example here, Judas, Matthew 26. I'm gonna turn there, Matthew 26. And again, by way of, nothing's new here, you know all of this, but I just wanted to be, show this to you, Matthew 26, beginning in verse number 14. It says, Then one of the twelve, called Judas Iscariot, went unto the chief priests and said unto them, What will ye give me? And I will deliver him unto you. And I guess we know, we, we know the end of the story. We sold him off for 30 pieces of silver. Um, I see that his distraction here was finances. He said, what will you give me, and then I will give them unto you. He was greedy. He wanted money. And I can't tell you how many times in my life that I've never said, I, okay, I mean, I'd like to have money. Um, but when we start to become consumed with that, and that's all that we ever want, and, we get, and, and I think about just the simple fact of, oh, I got this, I got this bill that's in my life. I gotta work overtime. And I'm just going to say this. I know that everybody's got a different, um, a different job occupation that they need. And I know that sometimes it calls for us to maybe miss uh, church uh, for certain reasons or not. But I believe that if it's out, if it's you can control it, um, you should try to control that. Try to protect that time that you can have with with God. So well, I meet I meet every day with the Lord. That's good. But there's something about being around God's people and God's house, hearing God's word, and being encouraged. And uh, again, I'm not trying to make someone feel bad that's not here. But a lot of times I remember that my, in my, my, my own family growing up, uh, a certain financial thing that came up. Man, I think it had been a lot easier to deal with it maybe yourself, you know, in your own way. It says, you know, maybe I should work overtime to pay for this. I'm going to have to miss church, but I'm going to work a whole lot more just to get this. I, 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 I remember many times just a financial thing that was met in our life that was out of the blue. You know, it's, I can't afford to give. And then you give something in the offering, and then all of a sudden some, and I could share testimony with you, and I'm sure you could as well, something comes in the mail and you get a, a check or a raise or something that you weren't expecting, and you can give all the glory to God instead of saying, hey, I could pay this bill because I worked all this extra overtime and, and didn't get to spend time with, with the Lord. And again, I know there's different situations, and I'm, I'm just saying that for Judas, he was so consumed with money, he sold out Jesus Christ. Maybe not even money. Take that away. What's, what's in your life today that's making you so consumed that you'd much rather spend time dwelling on that? Maybe not even a bad thing. Money's not a bad thing. It's when it becomes when you're consumed with it. That's when it's a bad thing. But we, we, we take time to just, it absolutely consumes us and takes us away. Our, his distraction was his finances. Samson was a female. Judas' finances, I see now, in Matthew 14, Matthew chapter 14, another example that we can look at that was distracted on this road trip was Peter. And I love Peter. Uh, I can identify with Peter. Many times he's putting his foot in his mouth and saying something he shouldn't or uh, saying that he's going to do this thing and then he doesn't. Um, and I'm thankful for his example. I'm sure he would like to change a lot of things that he did. But I see here in Matthew 14, the, the Jesus, he, he puts the, the, the disciples on a ship and he pushes them out to the midst of the sea and he goes away and then he, the storm, you know the story, the storm comes and they're being tossed to and fro and then Jesus starts to begin to walk on the water and they're scared and they're fearful and they call out to this and says, you know, and, or, I'm sorry, excuse me, getting a little ahead of myself. Jesus Christ says, be not afraid, it is I, 
And he responds back with, Peter says, if it's you, tell me to come out there. He says, come. I see that Peter was close to Jesus. He chose to go to Jesus, and, um, but then he got distracted. Okay, that wave, uh, he, it was troublesome and it scared him. He was fearful. His distraction was fear. Some things in our life we cannot, most things we cannot control. And we start to focus on those things that are outside of our control. We start to look at the problem instead of look at our God, and that's when we begin to sink. But I see here that Peter had a confidence in Jesus. Right when we begin to sink, who did he call out to? He called out to God and says, please save me. And Jesus immediately saved him, caught him. And I love this part. When he got back into the boat, the storm ceased. When we get off our path that we're supposed to be on, we start to fall, we call out for Jesus, and we bring him back into our life, that storm will cease. It doesn't mean it's gonna be absolutely easy, not gonna be a bed of roses all the time, but the way, it's just, it's the, it's the best life, Christian life. But he was distracted. He was distracted by fear. I, this one's not in here, but uh, it could be summed up to maybe a lot of these things, but many of us fear about the future. We fear the future, and we think about, man, what's, what's going to happen down the road, and we begin to, again, lose sight of who we're supposed to be looking at, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, who knows the way. Some expectations on our road trip. There's going to be some distractions, and uh, as we're going through this, we're going to talk about the things that happen, and at the end, we'll talk about what we're supposed to do with these things, so just bear with me if you would. Another thing that we can expect that's going to happen on this journey, on this road trip, is disappointments. Disappointments. Going back to Job, verse number 11 in chapter 2, it says, um, verse 11, and then we see through 11 all the way through chapter 3. I see that if you were to take time to read this, but Job's literally cursing his birth getting to the point where he says, man, maybe I shouldn't even have been born. What's going through this? And I don't believe that he was wrong to think this. Maybe it was sinful, but I believe he was just really coming before the Lord saying, Lord, what, what is going on? And maybe the, what, what have I done? It would have been better almost for me not to be born. And I think that many of us, if we were going through those same exact things, I think we would probably ask that same question. But I see he had some disappointments in his life. And because of the things that he was going through outside of his control, we saw that Jesus said, I've, I've touched, I've, I've gone after him when he even didn't even deserve these things to happen to him. Yet he still retained his integrity. Some examples in the word of God that we can go to would be uh, in Luke 7, uh, verse 18, John the Baptist, he, he's literally at the end of his life after he paved the way for Jesus Christ, he's basically asked some of his disciples that were helping him with his ministries and said, go ask Jesus if he really is the Messiah. Go make sure, I want to make sure before I die that, th that he was, that he is the Messiah. And you know the story, he goes, they go up to go ask him and while they're about to ask him, he's working miracles and he's healing the sick and he's, he and he's, he's healing the lame. And they, that, that was a testimony towards you and they went back and he says, yes, he is the one. But I see that John the Baptist here and then Matthew 14, we see the testament of, he did all that he was supposed to do Maybe he didn't do everything perfect, but here he is at the end of his life in prison, and he ends up getting his head chopped off and beheaded. I don't think that he thought that was the way he was going to end. Even though he did what he was supposed to do, he was called to a certain race, a certain road that he was supposed to travel. It didn't end the way that he was supposed to. But I see here that the disappointment, really, really probably one of the most 
uh, disappointing things could be. John the Baptist, he lost his life. He lost his life. I see another example moving on here. The prodigal son's father. The prodigal son's father. And again, you know the story, but we could go through that to see that the, the son, he went to the, the father and he says, give me all that's, that I'm, that, that's mine. I want it and I'm going to just go off. I'm not going to stay here and I just want to go and waste it. And, and the father hopefully giving it to him and thought maybe he's, maybe he's going to be mature about this, but he went and he just, you know the story, he wasted, he wasted his life. And then we see later, and you know the story, he comes back and his father meets him down the road. I started to think about that. And I see that the prodigal son, he lost his child. I, I, the selfish thing for me, if something was to happen to my family, I want it to happen to me. I don't want it to happen to my wife or my kids. Someone gets sick, I want it to be me. Uh, if someone wants to lose their life, I want it to be me because, I, that, again, being selfish, not trying to be a hero or anything, I just, that's, well, that's what I would like it to be. But then for the prodigal son's father to see his own child waste his life, I don't know what's gonna happen down the road. I, I would pray, I hope and pray that my kids don't do that, but they might. But he lost his child. Prodigal son's father's disappointment was this. He went and he met him. That tells me that each day that that son was gone, that prodigal son's father was waiting for him, praying for him, and each night went to bed, no doubt, disappointed. He didn't come home. Disappointed. I don't know if he's ever coming back. But because he remained faithful, just like the example of John the Baptist, he continued to pray. You know the story. He came back and he welcomed him in. And he went back, the son went back saying, I'll just be one of your servants. He says, you're still my son. And that, again, perfect example of what Jesus Christ, our Heavenly Father, does for us when we go wayward. I see another example that we can find in John chapter 5 is the man at the pool of Bethesda, Bethesda, excuse me. I see that in this testimony that he talks about how he was stricken with this disease for over, I believe it was 36, 38 years. Um, I can't remember the exact date, but it was, it was years and years and years that he was stricken with this disease. And I started to think about that, how frustrating that is to every time the waters were troubled, they were stirred, Someone would beat him and he'd never make it down there. But then I started to think about dwelling on this a little bit longer. Where's his family? Where's his friends? He lost, he lost his family. Even during this time of him going through this, this health problems that he had and he was stricken with something outside of his control and he wanted to try to get, have faith and get down into that pool and be healed, he had no family. He literally says, I have no man to help me to get in. And I wrote in the margin of my Bible, Jesus is that man. And you see Jesus comes by, and he says, rise up, take, you know, and walk, be healed. Disappointments are going to come. Distractions are going to come. Those things are a part of life. Next, number three. If you could take your Bibles and go to Job 42, the last chapter in the book of Job. Job 42, I want to just read one verse here in verse, uh, verse number 12. So the Lord blessed the latter end of Job more than his beginning. For he had 14,000 sheep and 6,000 camels and 1,000 yoke of oxen and 1,000 she-asses. He also had seven sons and three daughters. The Lord, and you, 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 know, you know the testimony, you know the story, we've all heard it, okay? It's, it's basic Bible stories that we've heard. But because Job remained faithful going through these things in his life, he had the testimony to say, God has been twice as good at the end of my life. 
I want to go uh, number three here. Expect this in your road trip. Delays. Expect delays in this life. I can't tell you how frustrating it is for me. Uh, lately, I've been uh, delivering food with that, uh, that um, the app called Grubhub. I don't know if anybody's ever used that, but I've been deliver delivering food that way. So I have to go up East Main Street a lot of times. That, I don't know if anybody else can attest, I hate that street. There's too many stoplights. I literally hit every single one, every single time, and I told the Lord, I said, I've learned my lesson. I don't need any more red lights. And it's frustrating when it's late at night and I'm delivering food and I get a red light and nobody's around. I'm literally pulling up and it's green and as soon as I get there, it turns red. It just frustrates me. And uh, that's when I start to look, is there a camera? Can I go? No, I don't do that. Uh, I thought about it. Um, but I don't like delays that happen in my life. Maybe there's something that I'm told that's gonna happen and to me, okay, I've been told, I think it needs to happen right now. My wife and I have learned the hard way that when we're planning to go to the park, don't tell Reagan until you're getting in the car to go to the park because things happen. There's been times it's like, hey, hey, you know, let's, let's be good today. And uh, yep, we, I'm bribing my kid. Let's be good today. No fussing, no fighting. And because uh, at the end of the day, we're going to go to the park. And then all of a sudden it starts raining. I didn't know it was going to rain. And you got to explain to her, we can't go because it's raining. And uh, it's, it's thundering and lightning out there. We can't go out there. Well, I'm like that. When I'm told something's going to happen, and I think it needs to happen right away, and it doesn't happen in, here's the catch, my timing. I don't like that. The Bible teaches us that his ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. So number three, the delays. We'll look at some examples here. Joseph is the first example we can look at. Genesis chapter 37 he dreams that dream that we all know of. He basically goes to his, his brothers and says, one day you're going to bow down to me. I don't know how many have, have brothers in here, but if, I bet you if, one, if your brother came to you and says, one day you're going to bow down to me, you'd say, get out of my face. Get out of here. No way. And uh, this, these guys, they, they hated him. They said, because, man, we're going we're gonna to get rid of you. And uh, they sold him into slavery. You know the whole story. But from the time he had that dream, okay, and all of the events that took place, slavery, Potiphar's house, the prison, then back to the palace, it was 15 years from the time of when he dreamed that dream and then it took place. Now for me, uh, I think about this, I'm 26 going on 27. 15 years to me still sounds like a long time. I'm walking down here because it's too hot up there. Um, it still seems like a long time, but as I'm getting older, um, it doesn't seem so long. I remember when I was in eighth grade and uh, I've shared this testimony this morning, and uh, you, you got to pray for my wife. She grew up in a pastor's home, so she was constantly a sermon illustration. And now she's married to uh, a guy that preaches every once in a while, so I have to use her. And uh, she tried, thought she'd get away from it. But when we were in eighth grade, I told her that I liked her uh, and uh, finally paid her enough money to like me back. But, I, but my, her dad was the pastor, and he said, no, absolutely no high school dating. And it's like, okay, the whole church is going to list it. no. Everybody else dated, but the pastor's daughter couldn't date, so I couldn't date her. So I remember in eighth grade telling her, five more years till we can date. Those five years seemed like forever. It took forever. And then when we got to that point where we were allowed to date, then uh, my father-in-law said, uh, okay, you're allowed 10 text messages a day and 10 minutes on the phone. What? I've been waiting five years to do this, and you're still constraining this relationship and uh, then you know the story that when I went to college and we were 2,500 miles away, then he allowed us to date. I don't know why he didn't trust me or anything, but uh, um, 
then I remember another time you said, okay, you're allowed 60 minutes on the phone. I think we went 61, maybe 62. He said, okay, one more chance, and we're going back down to 10 minutes. I said, okay. So I think we got off at like 50 minutes, so let's not, let's not go over. Um, but that five years, it seemed like a lot of time. I can't believe now I can say that it's been eight years since I've graduated high school. It's been over four years since I've graduated college. It's been four and a half years uh, since I've been married. I look back and I think, man, that, that time has gone by like that. Now, while you're going through it, it seems like forever, but in the internal aspect, when you look back, it's just a moment. And I, I bet you if we asked Joseph those 15 years, when you dreamed that dream to the time that you, it took place, did you feel like it was a delay? I bet he'd say yes. Uh, I think now he understood why all that happened, and he even told his brothers, hey, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. He understood it at an early stage of why that had to take place. I think of another example. I gotta get back to my notes here. Another example that we can look at for a delay would be David. I love David. Yeah, he messed up, and we, we, we throw him under the bus all the time, but David was the man after God's own heart. And I think about David when uh, the news is told that uh, you know, they're coming to his house to anoint the new king uh, of Israel. And uh, he probably didn't think that he was going to be the king. But I don't know about you, but he, again, if my brother or someone in my family is going to be anointed king, I'd like to be there for it. But where, did, where was he? His dad sent him out to the, the pastor to take care of the sheep and says, you know, he, and the, the, the father knew that one of my sons is going to be the king, but surely it's not David. So we're just going to send him out and we're going to forget about him. And you know the story all the way down to they get down to David and says, do you have any more sons? He says, yeah, I got one more out in the pasture, but he's no king. And then come in and he says, he's the one, he's the king. But from the time that David was anointed at that moment, and then all the things that took place in his life up to the point that he sat on the throne, again, it was about 15 years. It was about 15 years from the time that he was anointed king. I don't know about you, but being, I think he was about 17 years old when he was anointed. That's pretty cool. I'd be like, okay, where's my throne? Where's my palace? Do I get a new room? Do I get new shoes? I don't even have shoes. Can I get all 15 years? He had some things that he still had to learn before he got there. And that's where many of us, we have a purpose in our life. We have something God's called us to. And we feel like we got to get to that right now. But there's a little bit of a delay. I bet if we asked David, do you think that was a delay of when you were anointed to when you sat on the throne? I think he'd say yes, that was a delay. I think of another example uh, next there on your sheet, Lazarus. Now, I, don't, I can already give you the blank, I bet you it's up there, but three days. He was dead three days, that was his delay. Can you imagine, you tell, okay, you're, you put yourself in that family, they were very close to Jesus, sick. No problem, we'll just call Jesus and he'll come fix it all. So they call him and he gets the news and he says that he abode there still two days and then he showed up. And the sisters literally are getting mad at him, scolding Jesus, saying, if you would have been here, he wouldn't have had to die. And Jesus weeps, and you know that. And uh, I, was, I was telling the A15 crowd, I was thinking about this, but you know, okay, he raised him from the dead, and it was three days after he was dead. What a cooler story Lazarus had. Would you rather go around telling people he kept me from dying or he brought me back from the dead? Uh, I don't know, I just, I think it's cool, but then I think about how much more honor, how much more glory, how much more attention the Heavenly Father got because of that situation. It doesn't make sense to us that that catastrophic thing happened. It doesn't make sense, but there was a delay in the family got to rejoice after it took place. You say three days, that's not a long time to, to wait. Well, they didn't know that was gonna happen. They thought Lazarus was forever gone from this place right here. But there's some delays that we go through in our life and we, we think that, man, this isn't happening in my 
timing. Again, that's the catch. It doesn't make sense to us because we're not in control of the situation. Here we go to the uh, essentials conclusion. Coming back to the essentials, our car documents, I asked you the question, who does your life belong to, those car documents? I asked you the question, if it's not God, then who is it? You know the answer. I'm not trying to plant seed, seed of doubt of anybody's mind today, but if you don't know that you know that you know that you know that if something was to happen to you today, that you would spend forever eternity with Heavenly Father in heaven. Get that settled today. I was talking to um, just a, a coworker the other day, and I asked him, I, and, uh, or he was explaining to me about how he came to know the Lord. And I knew that he knew the Bible. Uh, I wasn't sure if he was exactly a Christian. He had professed that he was a Christian, but some things just didn't, in man's eyes, didn't line up that I thought maybe he wasn't a Christian or not. But nonetheless, I knew that he knew the Bible. And he was explaining to me that um, there was some situation, he saw a light, all this stuff, and then he's like, that's how I knew God was real. And I'm not saying that you gotta have some crazy experience, and if you do have a crazy experience, you didn't get saved. But the words that he used when he said, that's when I knew God was real. Well, a lot of people know God's real. Even the devil uh, knows God is real. Um, so then I said to him, I said, oh, that's, that's great. And then I shared in my testimony and says, when I was, uh, you know, and I went through and I said, I, when I realized I was lost and I deserved to go to hell, that's when I accepted Jesus Christ as my Savior. I said, I don't want to go there. I want to go to heaven because of what he's gone through for me. He paid that debt that I couldn't pay. So who does your life belong to? Number two, something that really is just for everybody that's in the room today. How are you maintaining your life right now? Are you in the, or for the occasional tune-up? Do you come in after the oil's gone over, or you've run, you've run over three or 4,000 miles over what you're supposed to do? You let the brakes go until they're squealing and the rotors are, are pitting? Are you, are, you, are you just letting things just go until you're absolutely in complete, utter um, disgrace and say, well, let me go back and get that? Right. And again, he'll welcome you with open arms, but the, there's some damage that's going to be done to your life, that's going to be done to your vehicle in this road trip because you didn't take care of it, didn't maintain keeping it. And again, that's where the verse comes in, love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, soul, and mind. Another essential, number three, are you using the map that God has given you? And I don't really need to belabor this anymore, but do we really, do we really look into this. God, what do you want me to do? Every step in my life, God, I, I don't understand this situation that's happened. Let me, let me go try to find some examples. That's what we're doing this morning, trying to find some examples. What did these people do? What did they go through? And how many can attest with me? I'm glad that my name's not in here with the things that I did or the, thing, the, the, the faith I didn't have, the faith I should have had. But how are your essentials this morning? And here's, here's, the, last, here's the last, and I'm done, the expectations. Number one, we need to destroy the distractions in your life. Everybody's got their own distractions. Everybody has a thing that just keeps taking them off course. I think about times when I drive and maybe my phone goes off and I look down at my phone or I'm changing, changing the song that I'm listening to or something, you know, they're building something over here and I gotta look and then as I'm doing all that, my car's going all over the road and I'm hitting the rumble strips and everybody's getting mad at me because they're honking at me um, because I'm not paying attention, I'm getting distracted. What, everybody's got their own distractions. What is it that's in your life that you need to get rid of? Not talking about things that are outside of your control, things that you're going through, but things that you can really control, some things that just absolutely consume your time, consume your life that's a distraction, that's keeping you from going the way that you're supposed to be going. 
I'm going to jump down to number, well, I guess I'll stay on number two. I accidentally put two um, too early. Two should have been three, but you'll follow me. Number two, delays are detours in your life. They're not delays. We think they're delays. When I go down on a trip and, and something happens and I hit traffic and I'm so frustrated, I can't tell you how many times, and it's happened more often than not, that I get down the road and all of a sudden there's a car accident that just happened. I said, Lord, please help those people, but thank you for delaying me back there so I wasn't a part of this car accident. I think about things in my own life that some things weren't happening. Uh, I'll, I'll use the illustration of, uh, I remember when my wife and I first got married and we were looking for a house where we were gonna live at and we found this really uh, cheap house that really was gutted from, from the top down. We thought, oh, we could put our own, our own touch on this and we were so excited about this and someone came in higher than us and we were so disappointed uh, that we could not get that house but later we didn't realize that about a year and a half later we were gonna be moving and it would have been, to us, it would have been a heartbreak to leave something that you put so much work into. And that's when I realized, Lord, I'm so thankful that you didn't give us that house that was much easier leaving this place over here. Um, it was still tough, but we, it wasn't as hard. Delays are not detours, or del delays are detours. They're not delays in our life. And number three here, disappointments does not mean defeat in your life. Expect these things to come. There's gonna be distractions. There's gonna be disappointments. There's gonna be delays that are going to happen. There's a young man right now that's sitting in prison that I was trying to help along the way at a certain point in his life, and he kept going back to, God's never gonna use me because of this thing in my past. God's not gonna use me because of this thing that happened. And he kept, kept looking in, if you would, his rear view mirror. That's really hard to keep driving forward when you're constantly looking past at your disappointments. Disappointments are gonna come. Someone's gonna fail you. Someone's gonna not meet your expectations. And you're gonna be disappointed. But that doesn't mean you have to live in defeat. I was trying to tell that young man, I said, hey, we've all messed up. We've all got skeletons in our closet that we wish that wouldn't have happened. But when you constantly relive that and you live in disappointment, you're gonna live defeated. And because of Jesus Christ, by the grace of God, Disappointments does not mean defeat. We look at all the examples that we looked at, some things that happened, and uh, we looked at some bad examples, and we looked at some good examples, and we look at the life of Job, and I think about how that chapter 42 could have been a lot different if Job, if Job would have just threw in the towel and says, I'm gonna curse God and die. I want nothing to do with this. And I think many of us wouldn't have blamed him. I would have been like, well, you know, I, I'm sorry you went through that. I don't blame you for being upset or feeling like that. But because of him remaining faithful and keep maintaining his vehicle and keep maintaining uh, his testimony, and he went through those expectations that we go through in life, we got to see the end of his life and how the Lord blessed him. Now, Job didn't get to read that. Job didn't get to know that was going to happen. Just like us in our life, when something happens, we don't really know what chapter 42 in our life is going to be. But we know we can get the victory through Jesus Christ if we just continue to be faithful. Simple message, no doubt, something that we've always heard. But if I could just, if I, that, painting that picture of this road trip that we're on, you gotta make sure you got your essentials before you even take that trip. Once you got that down, and a lot of those take work, the, the, the maintaining your vehicle and to continue to look at the map that God's given us, you gotta constantly, every single day, make sure that we're doing that all right. And then when we go on our road trip, those things are going to happen. It's just part of life. It's going to happen.
And uh, I look from, you know, from the youngest to the oldest in here. We can all share testimonies of this, these, these exact things that we talked about that's happened in our own life. Some we might look at and say, that's nothing. Well, that's everything to them at this point in their life. We've got, we got a long ways to go. Really summed up into just one word. Remain faithful. Remain faithful. These things are going to happen. You've you got to expect them. But what you do with the things that you've been handed is how you're going to be held accountable at the end of your life. I'd love to say that at the end of my life I was blessed beyond all measure, before, above all that I can ask or think, but I only could get there if I continue to be faithful. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, I thank you for this time, and I thank you for these people. I thank you for this church, Lord. I thank you for our pastor here at this church. Lord, I pray that just even in my own life that I would make sure that this road trip that I'm taking, that I make sure that I'm maintaining a love for you, that I love you more than I love the world. And Lord, that everything that I do, I seek your word and what you would like me to do because your ways are not our ways and your thoughts are higher than our thoughts. Lord, I do ask that you would just bless the remainder of today. We ask these things in your name. Amen. Let's stand together, heads bowed, eyes closed. If you could just play through something softly over there.